Hey guys, this is Fiorella Nira. Welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. My name is Fiorella Nira, and I am here with somebody that I am super excited to talk about because we are going to discuss breaking the wedding rules. We're going to break all of them today. So who is with me? This guy is a nuptial maestro for almost a decade. Jose specializes in bringing comfort to the process that's famously filled with tough decisions and mounting stress when it comes to weddings. He quickly made a name for himself for his chill vibe and generous command. I know how to do that too. His planning and design aesthetic has made him one of the top rising wedding planners in New York City. And here he is, Jose Rolone Events. Jose, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I, no, I'm doing really well. I know that you sometimes think you talk about the weather quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but I have, to t- I, I have to tell you, you might feel good. It's It's been pouring for the last couple of days here. And so I, I'm, I'm not going to make you envious talking about sunshine and perfect weather. Yes, because I have the sunshine today. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I'm I'll happy say- for you. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. When did you get started planning weddings? Uh, I got started in 2010. So basically, uh, I was a video editor before I I was a planner. I had my own business where I would create, um, short films out of old home videos and, and it was a really great business, but I was sort of ready to move away from the computer and my husband and I, um, we decided to, we, we got engaged. And when we got married in 2010, uh, I just really enjoyed the process. I mean, it, it might be a bit of a cliche for maybe some other planners that are out there, but I just like the process of planning our own wedding. And a lot of people were pushing for me to go in that direction. And uh, we got married at the foundry in Long Island City. And as you no, it's considered one of the coolest places mm-hmm. to get married in New York City. Yes. And so um, I thought if I worked at the Foundry, which is a raw space, um, the best of the best vendors would go through there because it, it did have it does have a great reputation. And so if I work there, I'll be able to cultivate these amazing and great relationships with uh, the best vendors. And so the plan was to be there for uh, a year. I was there for two and a half years. I got a job there basically stalking the girls until they hired me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I was I, I was persistent. And listen, I was 33 years old and I walked in and said, I will intern a year for free <laughs> if you allow me to just learn about events. And, you know, who's not going to take a free intern? And exactly. um, so... Just because you're not in college, it doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, if you really want something, um, don't, don't shy away from, from interning if it, if it works for you. But, but within a few weeks, they saw what I did. And within a few weeks, I was on their payroll. And, uh, then I was negotiating a salary within, you know, the first six months. So it really paid off. And then when I left, um, in 2013, uh, it, it, I mean, everything 
worked out exactly how it, it should have been. I left with their blessing and and um, business has been really fantastic. I still have many, many relationships uh, that I had when I was at the foundry and I still do weddings at the foundry. They're like family to me over there. Um, so it's been, it, we've been rocking and rolling since. That's amazing. So tell me about, since you, you know, you, you since you started your wedding, I really want to get to know your first experience as an independent wedding planner. What was that like? Were you nervous? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think your first, your first time out, it gets a little bit, it can be a little bit nerve wracking. Um, but to be honest, I think just because I was already doing a lot of that at the foundry, I, I found a rhythm that really worked for me. So even my first time out under my own brand, um, you know, there, there's more at stake there, right? Um, cause you're protecting your brand, but it, it, it really worked out well. And, uh, you know, it's always, gratifying when when it does go well and there's always going to be i mean i have stories for days about things that 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 could go wrong or that have gone wrong um but <laughs> i would say all? my first i know i know yeah I've, I've got some doozies um but my first yeah my first set of weddings i mean everything worked out well that's awesome and so tell me a little bit about your business how many weddings do you do per year yeah, so I cap off at 20 weddings a year. Uh, there, you know, some, some people may, might think that's a lot. Other people would, you know, other folks would love to have that many. Mm -hmm. um, I think 20 is a sweet spot for me. I'm a single dad of three kids. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's really important uh, to, you know, make sure that I have that work-life balance. And so... Um, you know, with 20 weddings a year, it works out to be half of, you know, pretty much half the year. And of course, it gets half a little of the bit weekends. More... Yeah. And, and so the other half of the weekends, I'm with my children and, and we're having a good time. Like I didn't have a wedding this weekend. And it was great. You know, we mm -hmm. went to the Children's Museum, we had a couple birthday parties. And, uh, and it's great. And I think my clients appreciate it. Because what happens is my clients, they're not just a number. Um, they are real people that I give a lot of attention to. Um, but also my kids aren't neglected either and they get, they get Papa. And so that's really wonderful. And do you work from home? Uh, at the moment, I don't. I work from, uh, I, I work from Dumbo House. So I have me and my girls there. Um, and it's just, it's really convenient because I live in Brooklyn Heights and Dumbo House is a 10 minute walk from my house. Oh, wow. And so it's really a wonderful place to get work done. Uh, you have a lot of creatives that go there, but also, um, clients and other vendors that I work with, they love to meet me there because it's such a nice view of the city and um, just has a really beautiful atmosphere. And so tell me about your girls. You you have It sounds like you have a team. Yeah, so uh, Leslie, she is my right-hand lady. She's the one that keeps me really organized. And, you know, I think that this might surprise some people, but I'm not organized by nature. Um, you know, we all have our strengths and mm -hmm. our weaknesses and I would say, uh, it's a lot for me to get organized and I, I am organized, but it's, it takes a lot of effort. And so for me, I put, you know, Leslie's in place as someone who she's super organized. She loves Excel sheets. She's really, you know, sometimes it's too much, right? But that's what I need. <laughs> um, I need, and, and Leslie was fantastic. She was actually a bride of mine, um, from a few years ago. 
And she did, she did come in with a lot of, with Excel sheets and she was very type A. And when we reconnected last year, um, we thought, wait a minute, this is what's going on in my business. This is what's going on with you. I think you would be perfect. Your type A personality would be perfect for my business. And so we've been teaming up since. And then, you know, we have a media events director and then we also have um, interns that float in and out. Wow. What does your media events director do? So she's the one that basically handles all of, for the most part, all of my social. Uh, and I'll get a lot of requests from different publications to do some write-ups. And she kind of keeps all that stuff organized. And when all the photos come in from different photographers from the events that I've done, she's there to you know, kind of filter through, uh, you know, she kind of plans, helps to plan my Instagram ahead of time. It's, you know, it's a full-time job as you know, right? Yes. I know this. <laughs> it's crazy. It, I mean, it's crazy. And, and, and it, and it it's has to be the right have, person. It has to be, it has to be the right person. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, we got to keep up for me, you know, I'm 43 years old and I got to keep up with the kids. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I have to make sure that, that, uh, yeah, everything is just being pushed out in a timely manner so that, you know, we all stay relevant. Yeah. And so tell me about you. What do you do? I So we know about your support staff and your team. What do you do yeah. in your business? So, I mean, I'm, I'm the face of the company, right? And I'm, I'm, I've got my hands in everything. I think, you know, when the couples initially meet with me, they're, they're meeting with me, obviously. Sometimes Leslie will tag along for that initial meeting. Um, but you know, depending if they pick partial or full planning, uh, it actually, actually doesn't matter if it's partial or full planning, but you know, you get me, you're not getting, you're not getting someone else. And I think that's something that sometimes, unfortunately, some clients, they fall into that trap of, you know, they'll hire a company, but then it turns out that face of the company is not even anyone that they're dealing with or even there on the day of. And so you, you get quite a bit of me and Leslie's there to, uh, facilitate and to interject and, uh, keep things a little bit more streamlined. But, you know, for example, on, you know, a wedding day, it's, it, it's me. I'm the one that's corresponding with all the vendors leading up to the wedding day. Um, you know, I show up 30 minutes before the first vendor does. So if it's hair and makeup at 10 o'clock, you'll see me at 930. And then you see you're, I'm with you until the very, you know, till you head into that car and, hopefully live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And yeah. so today we're going to be talking about breaking wedding rules. And I'm really excited about this because, you know, we have those clients that will come to us and say, well, this is what typically people do or what do people, people typically do. And I think we sometimes have to give our clients the creative freedom that they're giving us ourselves to to say no to certain traditions, to say no to certain things that other people are doing, or even just colors in that matter. So yeah. let's let's get talking about that and how how you started being this person to go to to break wedding rules. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it just really came from my own personal experience, right? So you know, when, uh, my husband and I got married at the time, you know, we were pitted up against some obstacles and, and one of them was, you know, every time we would reach out to a vendor, it was 
constant, you know, we'd fill out these forms. What's the groom's name? What's the bride's name? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even for example, I think there's sort of a misconception as well of like, you know, we, I remember seeing our florist and she's throwing out all of these flowers at us as if we know what they are, uh, you know, without visuals. Um, and, and I remember there was sort of an assumption of like, you know, us being gay men that we would somehow maybe know what these flowers are. I think most people don't know what the flower, what flowers are. Um, so I think it was just sort of that experience of not, you know, not wanting to do the typical thing for our wedding. Uh, you know, h- how do we make it our own? And I think, I think that experience, uh, is what led me into not only getting into event planning, but also, it's not always doing things in the most conventional way. Uh, and for example, we all, you know, we, you'll never see bride or groom in any of my forms or he, she, a lot of it's like, what's the couple's name? Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be sensitive to that kind of stuff. Um, so that's just like one out of many things that, you know, I, I try to incorporate that go a little bit against the traditions. I think it's also, you know, you can relate that to religions too. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. there's a lot of people that don't practice or there's, um, really, um, mixing of religions in, in weddings. So I'm always also careful too when you ask certain, uh, those certain questions because it's good to know. Yeah. And I mean, you, you obviously have, you know, a lot of experience in, 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 in what we do. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it is important to um, be sensitive to, you know, what, pe- what people are up to. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, I think 60, I'd say probably 60% of my weddings are Jewish. Uh, I, I would say, you know, maybe half of that number may not like they they might want to break the glass right because it's fun who doesn't like to break the glass yeah um but maybe not you know the chuppah is not as important or the ketubah uh they might forego that you know and of course that could create a lot of drama in the family but uh (laughs) you know you know putting everybody up on on you know putting them the couple up on a chair you know that that's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. uh but you know i think people are sort of like you know picking and choosing based on what they are feeling and and what they're currently up to in their lives and not necessarily subscribing to what um what their parents did or um or what their friends are even doing exactly so with this with these times that you know we're in a change of we're changing generations right now between the millennial generation the generation coming up which i i'm blanking the millennials the millennials Um, so between them and the next generation coming up, and I don't remember what it's called, um, there's also some shifting in, in how wedding traditions are changing. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Well, one of the things that are, are going away, or I I would say at least, I don't know, 20% of my clients are doing this year is getting rid of the formal sit down dinner. Yeah. And so some people call it a walking dinner. You call it a floating dinner. What are some mm-hmm. of the benefits of that? And what I, is that? What is a floating dinner? Yeah, look, I love me a good floating dinner. Um, 
<laughs> and and if I uh, and if I get married again, which I think I will, um, I would do I would do a floating dinner. So I think what, what's great about floating dinners is that you it allows you to just move. It allows you to move how you want to move. I think sometimes people get a little bit anxious and nervous that you know, where are they going to sit? Who are they going to sit next to? Some folks just don't want to sit for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Is it a three course meal? Is it a four course meal? Are they serving dessert? You know, that can really suck up a lot of time. And I, what I love about floating dinners is that, and some people do it differently. Um, but essentially after cocktail hour, you would still have people, you know, whoever your caterer is, you would have them pass out hors d'oeuvres during dinner but also there would be these stations that open up. Now, don't confuse stations with, with buffet. Um, right. I, know you, I know you know the difference, but for mm -hmm. the listeners, um, you know, stations are, for example, you might have a meat station, a seafood station, um, a pizza station or a sushi station. These open up and it allows you to be, you know, and you would have 60% seating for everyone. So not everybody has a seat, right? But but what happens is when you see waiters walking around with heavier orders than what you'd, you would have had for cocktail hour, and you see stations, it allows you the ability to, you and I can be standing in the middle of the room having a really nice conversation, and we're, we still have food coming to us. Or if we want something that's at some point, you know, 20 minutes into our conversation about weddings, mm -hmm. uh, we can make a decision to have something a little bit heavier, go to a station, and then sit down at, you know, wherever there's 60% seating. And some people get nervous about this, particularly parents. They're not used to this concept. <laughs> um, but it, I'm it only really laughing does... because we're going through the same thing and parents have a hard time understanding, but continue. Yeah, they want to know what they want to know where their aunt is going to sit or this grumpy uncle, you know, there, there's always seating for everyone. But because of the flow and the nature of how, um, it, you also, just to be clear, you also don't want to keep the seating to be uniform, right? So you don't want to have uh, just four long tables. You want to play with different levels and you want to play with shapes. If you have some high boys, that's really, it's, it's important to incorporate like high boys throughout because then visually this is giving your guests um there's already an impact there and that you can actually just float around. We could be at a high boy. We could be on a couch, you know, incorporate mm -hmm. some, some lounge furniture. I use patina, patina rentals all the time um, to incorporate some furniture so that there's some lounge vignettes, right. That people can sit at. So once people see this, there's just this great vibe of people just being able to float around, sit wherever they want, have conversations with whoever they want to without feeling restricted. And I, I, I do like a sit down, I love floating dinners and I, I specialize in raw spaces. So for me, floating dinners, that's like my jam. I mean, cause we could really just. Oh, I lost you in that last part. Oh, so, so we would be able to floating dinners. That's like, it, it's what I love because then we would be able to create, uh, whatever vibe we want. Cause I, I specialize in raw spaces. So to be able to just transform a raw space into, um, something that lends itself to a floating dinner is just, it, it's great. I, I like floating dinners just because, um, you know, if you have a party of 300 people, um, the, the people that get served first are going to be waiting for the last people to be done eating. 
which I feel terrible about every single time. Yeah. And, and you know what you could do too. And what I've done with floating dinners is that, you know, for, for, for the mom who's really nervous about the floating dinner, you know, I always assure them that they're going to have two tables that are going to be reserved just for the, you know, immediate family members or the people, you know, that absolutely need a specific seat. <clears throat> so, you know, you could have two A tops and just have them reserved and say, you know, mom, this is designated for whoever you want to, to have mm-hmm. a seat. That's and what, that yeah, that's good. what we do too. Yeah. So, but yeah, floating dinners, I, you know, I think that, you know, I think the industry continues to shift. I think that we went through this period of people really enjoying these floating dinners. And now you sort of see some people kind of going back to the sit down, but I think right now it's a bit all over the map, but people, people are now understanding what floating dinners are, which is nice because back in 2010 and 12, people were like, what is that? And why would we do that? Mm-hmm. Why don't I have a seat? <laughs> Ex- exactly. Yeah. Because we want you to have fun. You know, we yeah. Want you to- because we have a yeah. really good band and we want you to get up and party. Exactly. Go chat. Go drink. Go, go chat. Go mingle. Go make out in an alcove somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about photo booths because I feel like photo booths are the go to anytime somebody says wedding activity. Are there any alternatives to those? Yeah, you know, it, it, again, I think that photo booths started trending, you know, some years back, and now people are starting to get over it. I'm finding a lot of couples are feeling like they don't want a photo booth because it's a bit cliche. I disagree. I think that having a photo booth is still great. People will still go into the photo booth, mm-hmm. especially after having a couple drinks, and it gives them something to do other than be on the dance floor if they're not someone who wants to be on the dance floor the whole time. But what I've been doing with my couples is just showing them different alternatives to the typical traditional photo booths where it's either enclosed or open. Now, even now the open ones are considered traditional photo booths. So some of the companies that I've worked with is go flip yourself. I love go flip yourself. So what they do is, um, you stand in front of a video for eight seconds and it captures the video. And then this machine spits out a flip book. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a physical flip book and it's small. You can, you can design it however you want to with the company. So it could be the, you know, it could be the the picture of the couple uh, with the date on the binder in the, on the binder or the sleeve. And it's a, it's a flip book. And who doesn't like a flip book? I mean, I used to love them when I was a kid. And once one flip book goes out into the crowd, everybody wants a flip book. And then on top of it, it's really a great to repurpose that flip book, flip book as a, as a favor, right? So if you're someone who's on budget or if you just don't have the mental space to think about a great favor for folks, then go, you know, go flip yourself is really great for that. So. So that's that. Um, and I can tell you're already going to want to call them because you got really excited when I said flipbook. Oh, yeah. I, I really like that idea and I can just picture it too. Yeah. And they're really great to work with as well. Um, hashtag printing. That's another, you know, another, uh, company who they, what they do is 
essentially they'll set up a wall and if you're if you have an instra you know it's all about instagrammable moments mm-hmm. right so if you have a hashtag if your couple has a hashtag and your guests are uh posting with that hashtag this company that's at the venue that has set up this wall it spits out the photo of who, from any guests that are using that hashtag so what oh. happens if they yeah. So what happens is that they pull that out and then they hang it up on this wall. And eventually this wall becomes this great visual wall of all the things that people are posting throughout your event. And, and I think that's really a lot. That of fun is cool. I like that. It is cool. I think that, you know, the only catch with that is that you have to have an open Instagram account for it to, mm-hmm. to be public. But I, you know, I'd say most folks would, uh, have it public and if they don't then uh you know you can certainly have it open for for the duration of the wedding so for five hours you can certainly open up instagram um but it's really great and then you again that's another thing you can have as favors you know at the end of the night you're seeing this great wall you find pictures of yourself you can grab one as a favor or they can all go straight to the couple which is great that is great so i want to talk about another another wedding tradition that we keep seeing either completely nixed or perhaps no longer being announced at the ceremony and just being between the couple and their photographer and videographer, which is the cake cutting. Uh, Why is cake cutting ceremony a bad idea? (laughs) I have a few reasons why it's a bad idea. And it's a bit of a shame and I might get a little, I might get in trouble for this, but it's okay. You know, there are people that these cakes are beautiful. There's some amazing people that I work with. Nine Cakes, Madison Lee's Cakes, Ron Ben Israel. I mean, there's so many wonderful cake artists that a sugar monster. Um, I love all of these people and they create really wonderful products. So I, I would say the real, one of the reasons you want to just completely mix cake cutting is just because it's interrupt flow of the wedding. You know, you, um, in my opinion, you have the ceremony and then after the ceremony, you have the first dance, which we could talk about later too. I have opinions about that. Um, after the first dance, that's the only time all eyes want to be on you. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. People are really curious about the first dance. People obviously are paying attention for the ceremony. By the time cake cutting comes, everybody's dancing. Everybody's having such a good time. Everybody's having a conversation. Also, people might be in different rooms, right? Mm -hmm. And so now let's all get together and watch you cut a piece of cake. Let's stop the band that you spent $15,000 on or the DJ that is like rocking it right now just to watch you cut a cake. I think it's insane. I think it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, what I tell a lot of my couples is get that cake to the side, you know, well, first of all, if it's a beautiful cake, have it featured earlier. Don't just have it come out around the time you think it should be cut mm-hmm. in the cake. Have it come out right in the beginning of a reception or even during dinner, just have it showcased somewhere. So because you do want to show off your cake, I think that's important. Um, but then after that, like, if you want a picture if, if you want to cut the cake, grab your photographer, grab your parents, just go to where the cake cut, where the cake is and cut it right there. Don't make announcements. Don't stop the music. You'll still have your photos and then that's it. 
That's exactly what we do. Wait, well, it's a little bit different, right? Because in the area that you're at, you guys cut the cake a lot later um, in the night. Yeah. Right. And, and for you, it's earlier, right? Yeah. For us, it's like 10. Yeah. No, in the Midwest is right before dessert or right after they come in from, from the ceremony. Um, yeah. You know, Fiorella, that's, that's a really good point. You know, it, maybe it does depend, right? It depends on the timeline that you have. And, you know, if you're in the Midwest where you do cut the cake a little bit earlier, where everybody's already seated, mm-hmm. um, and where maybe that does make more sense. Uh, but yeah, certainly here in New York, the city that never sleeps, we do tend to cut the cake a little bit, uh, later, later. uh, but it's, yeah, I'd say if your cake, if, if your cake is supposed to happen around the time people are dancing, mix it all together. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I went, uh, so I'm from Peru. And so in Peru, it's the same thing. The cake is cut is one of the last things to be cut. And I don't know if you knew, do any quinceañeras, but in the case of quinceañeras, it's the same thing. Cake is the last thing, like around nine or 10. That's what's when it's happening. But here in the Midwest, it's a little bit different. However, we don't announce it. And we have right. it in all of our timelines. Please don't announce it because we don't need an entire flash mob coming over by the cake table, get in the way of pictures. We're just going to cut the cake so people can eat dessert or we're cutting the cake. So there's enough time to cut the cake for in time for dessert. So that's right. It's one of those things. And most of my couples don't even want to announce it anyway. They just want a gorgeous cake to serve to people um, or they're doing now desserts. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd say most the majority of my couples also in addition to the cake will have like a dessert buffet. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. The same thing here. So Wait, can we talk can we talk about Peru for a second? Yeah. Because I think for you guys, I think you were being really generous on the timing of the cake cutting because I think for us in New York, it's probably ten or eleven, but I think you guys like are rocking to like three, four AM and oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot different <laughs> because ordinances in different countries are different. So yeah. you know, like I have friends from Europe and friends from South America and you the party goes until people leave. So yeah. you could really have a party which I I'm glad I'm not there. <laughs> There's no way I could work 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. Um, but that's really how it works. You know, you, you can yeah. be there until the next day and the bar is open and people either sit down and relax and there's still music going. It, it's crazy. They, but- they don't they don't mess around on there. I went to a no. wedding in Argentina uh, as a guest. And I remember, uh, you know, I remember the bride in writing told everyone that there's going to be a bus that's going to pick you up at 2 a.m. from you know it was a three-day event right and then on the final day it was like there's not going to be a bus that's going to pick up till 2 a.m. so be prepared to party that bus (laughs) that bus didn't roll up until 5 a.m. oh my god (laughs) and and that and and that was the plan all along (laughs) like like all along that bus was always going to be there at 5 a.m. But the bride thought if she told everybody that it was in 5 a.m., nobody was going to show up. So right. um, it was was it was smart on her part. We definitely all partied till 5 a.m. But I was like, oof, they, they, they go hard down there. They do. We know how to party. I know. I know. I get it. We do. So <laughs> one of the other things, and, and I'm just going through this, this little list of discussions that we've, we've, uh, we have in front of me or I have in front of me. Why is the first reveal 
so much better. And if you are not from the West or East Coast, the first reveal is the first look. Um, tell me a little bit about that. What do you do for your clients? What do you recommend? Yeah, you know, I just had a couple recently who they, they were pretty adamant about not doing a first reveal, uh, but they wanted to see each other for the first at you know in, in the start of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see her walk down the aisle. That was going to be their first time seeing each other. Um, I and I convinced them otherwise. I convinced them to do the first look, and here's why. I think that with first look. There's a misconception of it's not going to be so personal or it's not going to be as dramatic as a ceremony. But what you'll find is if you choose to do a first look, which happens to be three hours before the ceremony, is it's a lot more personal because it's just the two of you and the photographer. So that experience alone really really says something really, really does. It has quite, it has an impact because it's just you. And some couples might be self-conscious about their, during the ceremony, how they're being viewed or how they look, how they're standing, not look foolish, not cry too much, not be too jokey, whatever it is. The first look just allows you to be fully 100% present with your couple, with your groom, with your bride, with your partner in that moment. So that's that benefit right there. It ends up becoming a more emotional experience for them. Then the other thing is what's attached to that is now this allows you to have plenty of time to take photos and, and with each other and you're, and you're not fighting against the light. Um, you're also, uh, you can take family photos around this time. A lot of photos end up get, they get taken at this time and you can have fun with it. You can, um, experiment with different things. And you're also feeling a little bit more lighthearted because you've seen each other. There's less anxiety. And you're also spending time with your partner, the person that you're marrying, because we all know after the ceremony, you're getting pulled in different directions. Yes. And also, and also during cocktail hour, if you don't do photos beforehand, then you what it. you're doing, what you're doing is you're missing all of cocktail hour. And this drives me nuts. You're giving me a budget of $100,000 for your wedding. Cocktail hour is, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a number out there, $20,000. You just spent $20,000 on cocktail hour for you not to enjoy it, for you not to enjoy those hors d'oeuvres, and, and to not enjoy your, the, mm-hmm. the, your guests that you've invited. Um, because then dinner, if you choose not to do a floating dinner and you're sitting down, then you go from photos to sitting down and then you're not eating because then you're going to get up and, and, and chat with people. So, so I think for, t- in order to, uh, fight against the light with photos, be able to take photos, have a more personal moment, uh, with each other and, and enjoy the actual wedding that you paid for in the same way that your guests are. I, I mean, yes. Yep. (laughs) You got me. I sold it. Amen. I will now be pushing first. Like I never, I let them, you know, I give them the pros and cons most of the time and I let them decide. Um, but the way you put it so smoothly, um, I may just have to tell everybody steal that for myself. Yeah, you know, I used to do the same with you. I used to give a lot of pros and cons. But, you know, I think, you know, we've been in this business 
I'm long enough to uh, know better. And it, it never fails. It never fails. I, you know, at the end of every wedding, if they don't do their first reveal, I always get, I wish we would have done our first reveal. That, and I wish we would have gotten a videographer if they didn't get a videographer. I know the videographer one is an often quoted comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'd say everybody, do the, whoever's listening, do the, do the first reveal. Yeah. So, what sets your company apart? from um, all the other planners? It's a good question. I think um, I think like what I'm selling is I, there's so many wonderful planners out there and most of them, a lot of the, a lot of them are, are friends of mine and the people I'm closest with in the industry are other planners and designers. And, um, and I see them do great things. And I think that, you know, essentially a lot of us can execute similar weddings, uh, if we're given the same budget and if we're allowing ourselves to have the freedom to um, execute that vision. Right. So I think, I think for me, what I'm selling is myself. I think there, there's two parts. It's myself. I think that people know I have a reputation for being really even keel. I'm not, I do think that wedding planners still have, have a bad re reputation uh, uh, for good reason. I think that sometimes they walk in, and have a bit of a godlike complex. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you'll have these wonderful vendors that work really well together. And then there, here comes this, you know, asshole of a planner walking in, you know, telling people what to do. And everybody's left like, who is this bozo? You know, do you feel um, like that comes from inexperience? I think it comes from inexperience. But I think also, you know, it sort of depends on what's going on in their personal lives, right? Sure, I, find sure. that, I find that mo most planners who have that um, high, strong, godlike energy, it's because they have a lot, they don't have things, they don't have their shit together in their personal life. So that's where they're sort of interjecting. That's, mm -hmm. that's, I, I might be making that up, but that's, that's my feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but so with me, I always come from a team atmosphere. I think that I want to make sure that uh, we all feel good with each each other i want to make sure that we're all on the same page you know whenever i send out a tentative timeline to all the vendors i send it out a few weeks beforehand and i'm very clear with all the vendors i say you know you have one week to come back with any corrections revisions and suggestions and they respect that about about me because then they're feeling heard they're, they're feeling like they're part of a team sometimes it'll be a photographer to say hey you know can you hook me up with 30 minutes on the front end no problem um, and I think that clients get that from me as well. When they meet me, they meet, they meet me and I'm like, you know, I'm very even keel. I don't get all crazy. I don't make it about Jose Rolon. It's not the Jose Rolon show. Mm -hmm. It's about them. So there's that, but right. you certainly have planners that have that angle as well. So, but in addition to the packages that I offer, it doesn't matter if you give me, it doesn't matter if you hire me for partial or full. Um, one of the benefits you get with hiring Jose Rolon events is you get, uh, you get a wellness package. And so, and that I've been doing for two years. I feel like people have been jumping on the wellness train lately, hmm. but I've been doing that for a couple of years now where you get a nutritionist, uh, and you also get someone to work out your body, um, whether if it's yoga or Pilates and wow. yeah, so um, yeah, Melanie Kotcher, she does all my couples for Pilates and then uh, 
Rachel, she does, um, she's like the wedding nutritionist. And so that's built in. And in addition to that, and, uh, that wellness package, my grooms get, uh, an old school shave from New York shaving company. Uh, it's like you get in that old chair mm-hmm. and you get that, that serious razor. You get this really cool package because nobody thinks about the grooms. And so that's my way of, uh, thinking about the grooms. And, and finally, which is my favorite, um, is that all of my couples get three one and a half hour dance lessons uh, for their first dance. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we talked about earlier how I, so I used to choreograph hip hop and salsa. Uh, um, did you hear the way I said salsa? I said it like really American. Like salsa. <laughs> salsa. I wasn't right? going to say anything, but. I know. I know. I'm, speaking, I'm speaking to you on top of it. And I just, I, I'm so embarrassed. Anyway. So. I used to choreograph hip hop and salsa in, in college. And, and so for me, dance is really important. It's something that I've always loved. It's a passion of mine. And, and we talked about earlier how there's two times during the ceremony, during the wedding where all eyes are on you, the ceremony. And then we said the first dance. I want my couples to feel amazing during their first dance. I want, um, I don't want them to feel awkward. Um, if you don't know how to dance, it's okay. Um, Renardo, uh, his, the choreographer is Renardo D'Amico Grace. He's Juilliard trained and we've known each other for 20 years. We used to, we used to, uh, audition from Michael Jackson, oh Madonna back in the day. Yeah. But he's far more, uh, accomplished and legit than I ever, ever was. Um, <laughs> but he, he takes all of my couples and he makes them shine. You know, if it's a couple that, if you don't want to do a whole choreograph thing, then, you, and you just want to learn some turns, you could do that too. You can use, you can use your dance lessons however you want, but it's there for you to have regardless of whatever package you have with me. That's amazing. Yeah. I you. love it all. I mean, yes. Amen to that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? It's about, it's about feeling good from the inside out. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that is something that, you know, I think it doesn't matter if you hire a full planning, uh, it doesn't matter if you have a day of a partial planner or a full, a full planning service, mm-hmm. you're going to be stressed out. And I hate to break it to everyone, but you know, there's this misconception, hire a planner. So you won't be stressed mm-hmm. that that does hold truth, but don't pretend that you're not going to, there's, there aren't going to be things leading up to your wedding. That's not going to stress you out. Exactly. There's going to be if again, if you choose to not listen to us and go for that sit down, <laughs> Which I like. I like the sit down. Don't, I don't want people to think I hate the sit down. But if you choose to do that and then you want to assign seats, you're going to be stressed out about where everybody's going to sit. Then you have family members flying into town and, you know, they're stressing you out. They're asking you what to wear, even though you were clear on the invitation. They're wondering what's going on with their hotel room that's not. Or who's you know, sitting next to who and why are they not sitting next to this person? all of it and you never know what happens things happen last minute so you're going to be stressed no matter what and i think what i want to provide for my couples is you know as much ease as possible but i want them to feel great for me inside out and for me to have my wellness package with the dance and having the guys feel good because they look slamming now with a nice old school shave Mm -hmm. Um, i i just want everybody to feel good that's amazing. I love yeah. it. Tell me, uh, are you, 
Are you open about your pricing? Would you be able to share a little bit about that part? Yeah. So at the moment, that's fine. Yeah. So at my partial is seventy five hundred. My full planning is sixteen five, and then, uh, but that does not include uh, if I'm planning your rehearsal brunch and after hours. So that's mm-hmm. an additional five. So that's twenty one five um, total. So there you go. I don't think I've ever shared my pricing publicly, but. This is what you do, Fiorella. You get people <laughs> to say things they I, wouldn't say otherwise. Yeah, I just think it's important because, um, you know, there's people in the Midwest that charge a certain fee for certain reasons. And there's people like you in New oh. York City who are dealing with a whole nother level of client. And it's, I think, financials um, and especially our fees are very important to share Um just because it it is part of the education it is part of the education and i think you know look i think it's I, and i know we're veering off here a little bit mm-hmm. but the tr- the truth is you know if my couples want to get married three hours they can go three hours down to pennsylvania or they can go from where i'm from in massachusetts two and a half hours and everything is a third of the cost right so but in new york city it's a whole other animal oh yeah and- and everything is just, you know, a band that's 2500 is going to be 8000 somewhere else. And so, unfortunately, it's kind of like the city we live in. I'm not complaining. It works out well for me. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. I remember somebody t- telling me, I think it was one of our guests during a pre-interview, they said it cost them $3,000 just to get the truck to pull out for their flower business. That's, and, that's exactly right. That number 3000, I've seen it so many mm-hmm. times for delivery fees. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So it's, it's, I mean, I think it's important to know the difference in everybody's market. It's, it's just part of education. And thank you so much for being open to sharing that with us. Um, no, of course. Where can people find you, Jose? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys can find me at Jose Rolon Events, uh, com, And then you can, you know, you could go to my Instagram, which is at Jose Rolon Events. I also do a video series called The Wedding Buzz. And it's where I also do something similar where I interview other vendors. Uh, I have a, I have a chat with them. I sit down with them for, uh, 45 minutes, but I knock it down to 60 seconds. And it's usually 60 seconds of interview and then 60 seconds of bloopers. And that's the part that a lot of people really love. They like to see us all screw up and mess up. Oh, um, wow. I love it. On so video. Say that again. Yeah. What's it called? So it's called The Wedding Buzz. The and wedding you can buzz. find that. Yep. You could find that on my IG, uh, IGTV. You could find it on my blog, on my website. There's a whole page titled The Wedding Buzz. Um, and, and yeah, all the other various outlets, social media outlets that are out there. Love it. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. I hope you have a wonderful week. And if there's anything else, feel free to shout it out right now. Thank you so much. That's it. This is really fantastic. I loved speaking with you. And I hope to catch up with you in person sometime in the near future. Yes, me too.